Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're tuned in to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We're glad to have you. If you're new here, uh, I hope you enjoy, and I hope you stick around for another episode. If you're a returning listener, thank you for the support. We appreciate the hell out of it. Uh, this is Kurt Geyer speaking. Got Eric Common. Ross Bigger. Doug Schmidt. All of us were missing uh, Austin, the Lord Chandler, in studio. Um, but no, all of us here at Working Class Bowhunter and New Windsor, Illinois. Um, though I, I would say we're their claim to fame, but we're definitely not. It's the rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, who, who's Working Class Bowhunter? Maybe someday we can be the claim to fame. There's some guys at the studio off a of gravel road. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for being here. The podcast is uh, presented by HHA USA. HHA, in our opinion, is a leader in single pin sites um, and we have a code for them if you're interested in getting your own single pin site or drop away rest or now new stabilizer setup. Um, WCB15 at HHA USA or HHA Sports.com. Um, HHA USA is a different thing we're going to get into. Um, and if you are going to be this coming weekend, March 26th to the 28th in Wisconsin, Dells, Wisconsin, if you come by our booth, booth 802, yep, 802 yep. you can enter to win a free HHA prize pack with a new Tetra and stabilizer set up with the back bar and everything, like a $600 value. It's got it all. Swing by the booth. We'll fill you on how to do that. Also brought to you by HHA USA. HHAUSA.org is our veteran shout-out. We try to do a veteran shout-out on every podcast if possible. And if you go to workingclassbowhunter.com, there's a contact tab there. You can submit a veteran for a shout-out on our show. And Doug reads the veteran shout-outs. They go right to him. So Doug's got Come this right week's shout-out. So uh, this is brought to you by Operation HHA USA, like Kurt already said, uh, uniting service members in archery. Uh, their mission is to show appreciation and create a sense of community for veterans and active military through archery and the outdoors. It's beautiful. It's getting, pulling it up. Pulling it up. <laughs> it's getting there. <laughs> Doug just uh, goes silent is, on us while he <laughs> finds it. This is uh, submitted by Chris Rogers. The veteran is Briar Lacey, like Briar Patch, kind of. That's kind of nice. Uh, he's in the Air Force. It says Briar is a staff sergeant ammo troop in the Air Force. 
He's an Iowa native that loves all things outdoors. He's currently serving in South Korea where he's part of the Osun Air Force Bash Team Bird and Wildlife Aircraft Strike Hazard, which basically means the Man. dude gets paid by the Air Force to hunt deer, waterfowl, and other birds. Nice. No kidding. Dang. What? Uh, basically anything that may be a potential danger to aircraft on the runways. No kidding. Just want to give a huge nice. shout out from the state side. Dang. Whoa. So that guy's hunting while he's in the service. There you go. That's a cool this job. That's badass. Yeah, you got to protect the, you know. That's something you don't think about. That is, I mean, you do. It probably happens more than we think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, thanks for your service, Briar. Thanks, Briar. Thanks, thanks for doing that, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. That's a, wow, that's a cool job. That's a first on this. Yeah. Wild. Wonder, I've never heard of that. That's awesome. And an Iowa native. Yeah, I wonder how all that works. I don't know. I have so many too. questions. <laughs> we'll have to get with them. We'll have to reach out to that guy. Yeah, and can talk we get to this him. guy on a podcast? Thanks for your service, Briar. That's awesome. Yeah, I think we should. That's why. That'd be sweet. <laughs> I want that gig. <laughs> Where do I sign up? Very cool. Uh, check out hhausa.org. Uh, thanks for submitting that. You can submit your own, and we'll we'll get to it. We try to read every single one that we get, and uh, HHAUSA sends you out some goodies when that happens. So uh, thanks again for your service, Briar. Uh, the podcast also brought to you by Scent Crusher. Ozone products are like the new thing in scent control. Not the new thing. They've been around a while now, but I feel like now it's become a normal thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and scent crusher yep. has basically eliminated the hassle of it and made it more easy from the gear bags, the roller gear bags, the rapid mobile shower, which we have our own um, working class edition, um, room cleans, ozone goes, every, they got it all. If you need ozone applied in any way possible to kill scent for your scent control method, whatever that may be, everybody's got their own thing. Scent Crusher has it for you. Scentcrusher.com. I'm super thankful for that partnership. Um, also, the podcast is brought to you by Big Time. Uh, we don't really need to give Big Time a hard plug on this because this podcast is essentially all about Big Time. Uh, but the code for Big Time, if you, after hearing this, if you're interested in uh, food plot seed or supplemental feed for your deer or whatever critters you're hunting, um, WCB 2021 at big time.com. That code works for everything from mineral, mineral blocks, seed to merch and hats and shirts and all the goodies. So everything on their website, everything on their website, literally uh big time. So, um, also rogue Ridge and the grind Turkey calls or calls and decoys, uh, rogue Ridge. I did my first shed hunting mission on mine. Um, did beautiful. I, I'm an idiot a little bit. A lot of it, actually, because I like, for some reason, if there's a hill, I want to see how fast I can get the speedometer up, like while I'm in mud and like in a cornfield. Right, right. And I just think if I were to eat shit on corn stalks, it wouldn't feel the best. But I held on tight and I didn't fall. I Will I fall eventually? Yeah. Puncture long on a corn stalk. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That hurt. Gotta it's wear like, chest protectors on your way to the stand. I mean, I might have to. I might have to get a chest protector sponsor. But that Rogue Ridge, I had her doing, well, hell, just before this podcast, yeah. I had her doing 30 mile an hour out front on a gravel road. Zooming. Just thing. Crank her full in, put her on five sport mode, and let her ride. It's impressive stuff. <laughs> let her rip. Um, check them out, rogueridge.com. They got three different models. The grind will be. Uh, Turkey Palooza, we're going to have the grind decoys out there like crazy. Uh, the grind diaphragm calls, getting after some birds. Um, speaking of that, Old Barn Taxidermy, um, we're getting to it. They're going to do a special for full mount turkeys on a limb. Uh, we'll have more information on that. Um, there's talks that if you bring them in, a full mount turkey on a limb, we're, we're talking about maybe giving away a deer head for that following fall. Mm, ooh, so if sweet. you're a guy that's chasing some birds, you always wanted a turkey mount, why not double down and be able to double? If you have a buck you're targeted, you could get your mount for free. After bringing your Can turkey. I get on that? 
I don't know if that works for us, okay. but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll talk to Sam. I do want a full body turkey mount, though. I'll talk to Sam for you. Sure. Um, also, Gator Outdoors, uh, outfitting the working class, uh, a rapidly growing and I guess emerging, is that a word, um, for this application, uh, lifestyle brand. That's right. Uh, small town Iowa company. Uh, Wade is very business minded, very high energy. He's going to be on this bear hunt with us here in May. Oh boy. Him and Shad are in the same camp. Oh boy. Him, Shad and Chance are in the same camp. Oh sweet. And Ross knows Chance. It's going to be a riot. <laughs> um, but yeah, Gator Outdoors is going to be a blast. Uh, Gator, it seems like everybody's wearing something Gator on the internet. So check out GatorOutdoors.com. If you'd like to be a part of that, uh, Gator lifestyle brand code WCB25 saves some coin. Elite Archery. Doug's bow just came in today. It's slick. It's beautiful. It's a slicker than shit. What is it? <laughs> the result thirty six. It's a big boy, but uh, sour apple felt, green. It felt good. It looks good. It it felt really good actually. When I was holding it. Sour apple green. Sour apple green. It's more WCB green than yeah, sour it apple. It is, and it's not as bright as I thought it was. So I'm kind of happy about that too. It's like a nice. It's gonna work great. It's flashy. It's flashy, but like not to where it's gonna spook. Yeah. You. Right. It's got some shimmers in it. But it's not like, like flashy, like you're saying. Yeah. yeah, it's very subtle. It's really it's nice. Be, it's really I like nice it, man. Stuff. I'm a little jealous about that. I'm it. not gonna lie. Yeah. I was kind of hoping it was gonna be like your gimmick. You know, you're gonna have this like super flashy over the top bow, like the Pit Viper of bows. But... Yeah, like the Pit Viper of bows. <laughs> and then you you pulled it out of the box, and I was like, damn. He's gonna that was the move. I'm je- that was the move. I'm jealous <laughs> yeah, of that one. I might. Um, elite. Um, every outdoor group company WCB saves you some coin there. Also, Slick Trick. We just did a podcast with Larry McCoy. See the previous episode before this, where Larry breaks down all the new bows, what's good about them, the all the basically all the broadheads from Slick Trick, and yep. all what's new from Slick Trick. And code WCB also works on Slick Trick as well. So Elite Slick Trick. I mean, Scott Archery, even though they're not a partner, it works for that whole family of uh, outdoor group uh, companies. A podcast also brought to you by Victory Archery and Thermoseat and Loophole Optics. Um, I kind of love this whole family of our partners, whether they're related or not, but we kind of have everything as all the essentials and products we believe in and company and companies and people we believe in um, all kind of backing us up, which says a lot. Yep. Um, we don't take sponsors from just anyone. We take sponsors from people we believe in. We take sponsors from partners as partners. I would say. Um, but, it, I mean, it's the same thing, but I like to refer to it as partners, essentially. But it's just all good. I feel good about our companies we work with. Hopefully, they feel just as good about us. Um, but it's nice that we go out and we use this stuff. So if we post about it, it's because we're using it yeah. and we mm-hmm. love it. It's You're not going to see us. I mean, I'll take a beer sponsorship any day. But you're not going to see us posting about some shit you know we're not using. Yeah, right. 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 You know what I mean? And I was going to throw some examples out, but I didn't feel like throwing shit <laughs> Easy. I, I immediately started searching for examples <laughs> I could throw out I it, like this company, but I didn't want to like hurt anybody's feelings because I'm a nice person. So um, that's what people say about me. <laughs> I hear it all the time. <laughs> they do? <laughs> I don't know, but that's what I'd say about oh, me. Oh, okay. okay. I would say it too. You would? Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> well, I think we should, we should quit yapping. This podcast is high energy. It was an honor to have Uncle Ted on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, we were all a little nervous, right? Because it's Ted. Yeah, it's Ted. he's he's a wild man. He's a wild man. Um, absolutely love the guy. I, he's inspiring. 
Although we don't agree with everything he says, I don't agree with everything anybody says. That's right. But uh, he's he's funner than hell. Um, we talk about the partnership with Ted Nugent big time. We talk a lot about supplemental feed. Um, so don't be like, what? what's up? Why is it all big time focused? Well, you'll see. Just enjoy it. Kick back and uh, just hear what he's got to say. It's definitely interesting whether you agree or not. Got to love the guy. Yeah. That's right. That's yep. all we got to say. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoy it. Come back for another one, huh? I believe Ted Nugent calling for a working class bow hunter reporting for duty, sir. <laughs> That's right. Hey, man, I appreciate you doing this. We're 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 going right now, so good. I let her rip, man. Don't hesitate. The first volley is always the most exciting. I agree, I agree, man. No, we appreciate you doing this. Um, we've got a group of guys here, Kurt here talking. Uh, Doug. Uh, got Eric. And then Joseph from Big Time's in the house. Ted, I just All drove. All right, Kurt, Eric, Doug, Joe, you you boys deserve me. Let's get it out. I got a campfire <laughs> going. I got some back straps on some green twigs for you, baby. I love it, man. I love it. Well, first and foremost, man, um, huge fans. You're one of our idols, man, bucket list guests. So it's kind of crazy even having you on the show. We're uh, all kind of looking at each other in disbelief a little bit, so we do deserve you finally, man. So thank you well, for that. Well, if you're, you know, you guys are dedicated bow hunters. I mean, you got this communication uh, podcast, little ditty going on called Working Class Bow Hunters. So quite honestly, gentlemen, even though I play the sexiest guitar licks in the history of noise, and I've probably promoted the mystical flight of the arrow more than. Uh, Cochise, we deserve each other. There you go. I like that. I like that. That was romantic, man. I like that a lot. I'm sold. Oh, manic, manic, I got figured out by the time I was four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. I'm hardcore. I, I mean, I'm an intense guy. I mean, I've been shooting the bow and arrow since I was born. I mean, literally. I mean, you probably read my interviews and stuff, but... This is this is me, man. I was sent here to kill stuff with sharp sticks and scare uh, white girls with dangerous guitar licks. So I'm, I'm full on to this stuff, man. <laughs> I love it, man. Just high energy, high energy for sure. Um, first thing I want to start off with, man, is like the big annou- announcement of your partnership with Big Time, which uh, we're also partnered with. So kind of puts us in the same family. So that's pretty awesome. Well, one of the reasons I sound high energy is because I'm always doing stuff, and I just literally got in. I got uh, three great dogs. We were just out hunting pheasants and chuckers. And Sadie and Happy and Coco just did awesome. And then we do a run around the ranch here, both in the high fence and all around the open property, where we put out the big time product. I've been doing it since I got it, and it's uh, it's a magical nutritional supplement. In fact, I just finished a heaping bowl of big time cherry uh, deer feed with with heavy cream on it. I, so, so maybe that's why I'm dangerous because I actually eat the stuff not really but my point is it's something i really believe in and my hunting like you guys it's serious you know yes it's recreational we recreate it's the ultimate recreation of our spirit to leave the chaos of the modern world that gets more chaotic every day Mm -hmm. but the reason i jumped on big time is because the hardcore conservation families believe in that product i'm a hardcore conservation family i want my wildlife to be as healthy and thriving and fortified as possible quite uh definitively in this recent arctic freeze we had here in texas so i think the big time uh, not only plays a role under normal conditions to fortify the deer herd, and quite quite honestly, all the wildlife eats it. My woodchucks eat it, the squirrels eat it, the turkeys eat it, uh, the rabbits eat it, songbirds eat it. 
Um, and, and it's something that enhances my American dream, which happens to be out of doors, especially with the bow and arrow hunting my dinner and my spirit. Uh, big times, the real McCoy. I latch on to stuff that enhances the quality of my outdoor lifestyle. Big time does that big time. Yeah, definitely. We we talked a little bit earlier before the podcast. So like, big times kind of made feeding deer cool. It's kind of like brought a new angle to it. Um, it's not just like, oh yeah, that's seed, whatever. It's kind of like its own culture within our hunting community. Um, and Joe's done a great job, uh, kind of changing the narrative and how people think about supplemental feed and food plot seed and and whatever you got to do to help your deer herd, deer herd um, for nutrition when the weather gets tough. Because um, we're based out of Illinois. We can't supplemental feed here, but we can use the big time food plot seed. Um, and we just had weeks of negative 20 weather and wind and freezing rain and just the worst conditions possible. And there's nothing we could do about it. Well, it, and I understand that I, I've hunted Illinois. I have family in Illinois. I spent uh, two dynamic years creating the Amboy Dukes in Illinois when I lived there. And I would just uh, say that we can celebrate all the positives because there's unlimited positives to our hunting outdoor conservation lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But in order to maximize the positive, the joys, the incredible technology that enhances our our time outdoors, and not not to mention the the orgy of uh, discovering supplemental feed to enhance the the health and condition of our wildlife but before we really celebrate all the good which again there's unlimited good you can focus on the good of course but i i have found in my lifetime of running into idiots running into bureaucrats that abuse power and violate their oath and abuse their employers which we the people happen to be so in order to maximize the good, especially as Illinois is an example, even though, gentlemen, all 50 states are burdened with obnoxious, arbitrary, punitive, capricious, non-scientific game laws. But let's just focus on the insanity of Illinois and some of these other states where some man, some man decided he had the authority over a free American, whether he feeds wildlife or not. How, how could a man possibly assume he has that authority? And I'm here to tell you, as Ted Nugent, 72 years clean and sober, that understands truth, logic, and common sense, there is no man who has authority over free Americans, whether we put out a mineral block or supplemental feed. The laws are illegal. The laws are immoral. The laws are anti-American. So fight like you mean it. I've changed laws in all 50 states and we run into dead end, you know, obstacles constantly with bureaucrats that are so entrenched. But believe me when I tell you, Kurt, Eric, Doug, Joe, with effort and consistent hammering, of our elected employees, it starts with mayors, senators, congressmen, certainly governors, game department heads. We just proved that with Hunter Nation, where you couldn't have imagined that in the the once great state of Wisconsin, run by a, a Marxist, anti-American, Black Lives Matter terrorist supporter, that Wisconsin would ever allow us to kill wolves well guess what we did we hammered home the science we testified and we got licensed hunting families to call their elected employees 
and hammer them that there's too many wolves. They're in the liability column. They're destroying the balance of nature. They're destroying wildlife. They're destroying agriculture. They're scaring people. They're eating pets and livestock. And gentlemen, miracle of miracles, in three days recently, we killed 200 wolves in Wisconsin. That is an irrefutable indicator that if you push hard, you can wake people up. Even in Illinois, I still think Al Capone <laughs> runs the state, but even in Illinois, you can get this wonderful activity that is only good for wildlife. The CWD scam has been proven to be a lie that nose-to-nose contact is encouraged by Ted Nugent with a bag of corn. Yeah, right. Well, while I'm sleeping, they're licking each other's ass and swapping spit 24-7 nonstop throughout their lives. So let's let's make this working-class bow hunter celebration that you see something that is stupid, that is wrong, that 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 uh, that harms the recruitment and stands in the way of retention of hunters. I know for a fact that hunters have quit because they got a ticket for putting out a mineral block on their own farm. The concept is just putrid. That happened even before Joe Biden became president. Now you'd expect it, but it was going all this time. So if big time should be utilized by as many hunting families who want to, I think all of them, in every state, the laws against feeding and baiting are stupid, non-scientific, and they there's a literally an imaginary line between one state and the next where those white-tailed deer can be fed, but not on that side of the line because they might lick each other. <laughs> it's just so absurd. So my big goal for big time is not just to celebrate it and promote it because I believe in it, but to get people to fight in their state so we can do what Ted Nugent really gets a great joy out of. And that's feeding my wildlife to make them healthier and strong and to see them more often. I live amongst them. I want to see them. I want to monitor them. I don't want, I don't use trail cameras. I think trail cameras are awesome, but I don't. I walk my ground. I am the mobile trail camera radar boy. I like to look at them, and when I put out big time, I can kind of ambush them when I use the wind, just as if I was hunting, use the wind and the terrain and stealth, so I can watch my deer eat the big time. I would love to meet the man who thinks he can confront Ted Nugent and tell me I can't put corn on the ground. Who could possibly think they have that authority? I don't rest my case. I mean, solid points, man. I don't think you can argue with it. But then going to talking about the positives, like down there in Texas, the recent cold snap that just happened that kind of shut everything down. I mean, I mean, the difference having supplemental feed and nutrition for animals during a tough time when they're not used to it. I mean, that's saving lives. That's an ethical debate at that point. Sure, it's a true resource stewardship responsibility, uh, truism. I mean, we had the unprecedented, literally we set records here for a week. And, of course, I'm an old Michigan guy. I mean, <laughs> I, I dream of hunting in blizzards. That's my favorite thing to do in the in life <laughs> is to hunt with a, in a blizzard. <laughs> I love snow. And a, a blood trail on snow is one of my most exciting moments in life, and I've had many of them. But when that hit Texas, I was cocked, locked, and ready to rock the Glock Doc, and I was out there <laughs> cutting some cedar balls and making little, you know, uh, uh, thermal shelters 
in amongst my cedar brakes, which was already probably uh, capable of, of, of causing the animals to survive the incredible wind and, and the cold spell. But I also put out big time in all those thermal zones so that they didn't have to leave the cover of the cedar thickets to get to the nutrition that big time provides. Mm-hmm. So I, I never lost an animal. Not one animal where other ranches lost hundreds of black buck, even axis and fallow deer were tipping over. In the hill country, white tails were dying because most of the ranches cleared the cedar so that they could have natural green growth. Um, but then they lost their thermal cover, and that's what those animals needed. They needed thermal cover, and they needed supplemental, digestible, fortifying nutrition. And if everybody would have put out big time, they could have mitigated some of the really heartbreaking losses that they that they uh, had to sustain because of that cold spell. But yeah, big time. I was out. Nonstop. I was out all day, every day in that cold, and one of my little Broncos taking big time into all the best cover that I have. And I'll tell you, I could tell that that effort saved, saved my animals, especially the black buck, the oryx. Um, the owdad are strong. The, my my axes are never in trouble because of all the cedar thermal cover I have. My, my fallow, my whitetails are fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, every, everybody I know lost black buck and oryx, and I didn't lose any, and they would just gobble up. I have not only do I have troughs in the cedar thickets that I can be mobile with and drag it into the thicker areas, but I also have some boss buck feeders and various feeders that I filled with the big time. And, man, those animals, by the time I was driving away in my Bronco, I looked in the rearview mirror, and those animals were moving in on the big time because they knew they needed it. And I didn't lose an animal. So there's a hallelujah testimony of what a, what a guy can do if he really takes his stewardship responsibilities to heart and puts the effort in. And big time is the tool which I uh, implemented, and it really, really worked. That's something I didn't really think about before you mentioned it. Some of that exotic game. I mean, I don't know what they deal with as far as like cold and frigid temperatures at night, like where they're from or what they're like, you know, built for natively. But I'm, I know Texas climate usually, but I mean, that had to be a really, really hard on those types of animals. I would, a guy from Illinois who knows nothing, that's what I would assume anyway. Yeah. You know, Texas is awesome. They've, they've had these, uh, uh, introduced exotics from Africa and Asia and uh, all over the world. Uh, China, even got Chinese uh, uh, deer here. Um, I don't have my property, but they're widespread. African animals. I got I got buddies with kudu and gemsbok and, and zebras and and uh, inyala and, and impala and uh, hartebeest. I mean, they got a lot of African animals. And if they didn't have thermal cover, they really uh, experienced a real uh, expensive and heartbreaking attrition during that cold. Some of them are not capable of putting up with it. They're they're thin skinned and thin haired. But again, that thermal cover, even guitar players can figure that out. I knew from the days in Michigan where we'd cut the white and red cedar up in the northern zones where they would be able to browse on those uh, bars and also seek thermal cover. So I, mm-hmm. I was ahead of the game. And I, I uh, uh, kind of alerted some of my hill country Texas buddies up in the central part there, north of San Antonio, and uh, they were able to put that proven method to work uh, with the upgraded forti- uh, supplemental feed fortification. And then also, instead of cutting all their cedars, they keep some cedar cover. So, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's my lifestyle, man. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm out there 
every day planting and and wrenching and cutting and feeding and I, I live this stuff. I love that's why my guitar is sexier than all those other goofballs, man. They they wouldn't know which most of the guitar players out there wouldn't know which end of a hammer to grab. And I really I really like this uh, ranch and farm and lifestyle, and I've done it for all my life. Yeah, I mean, you gotta live it if you're gonna be that passionate about it, of course, you know, and it just kind of, that feeds off each other. Uh, once you have like, you have that whole variety of animals that live there on your ranch, what's your favorite animal to hunt? And then, in that, what's your favorite animal to eat? Well, you know, I I'm, I do media every day, and they're they're not all working class bow hunter medias that you know are tuned in on the same conservation wavelength. But that that is a universal, ubiquitous, constant question that I'm posed with. Yeah. And I, my answer, I'll, I'll give it to you. My favorite animal is whatever's broadside twenty yards away, looking <laughs> away from me. That's, I love that. That's my that's my nice. favorite animal. I don't care if it's a woodchuck. I'm going to shoot that thing. Um, I, I've been bow hunting all my life and I started with the long bows before Fred, you know, laminated the glass and wood with the beautiful recurves. And uh, we did a lot of stumbling. And so even though I've more than made up for it in the last 60 years or so, um, I still hearken back to the excitement of getting a deer in sight. So uh, I was down in South Texas hunting these Indian nil guy with my sniper rifle last week that are just an amazing animal. Without question, the most alert tuned-in omniscient animal I've ever hunted, more so than a turkey, because they can outsmell a white-tailed deer. And, of course, if a turkey had the sense of smell of a deer, we'd never kill any of them. <laughs> right. uh, but they're they're almost, uh, you know, 360 omniscient. But these nil guys are super tough. I've killed a bunch with the bow over the years down in way south Texas. This is open, grand, open range stuff here. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're so smart that they have to kill them out of helicopters every winter because they, even the old gun hunters down there can't keep up with the production. But I love the nil guy. I, I, I love hunting turkeys. Obviously the white tailed deer is the holy grail right. of every bow hunter, I think. And I love eating them all. I've uh, turned a lot of people on to the uh, essentiality of hanging their game. Like these pheasants and chuckers and the duck during the duck season and especially turkeys you got to hang those birds you got to hang fowl you certainly have to hang you know herbivores and cervids um for that that enzyme to break down but i'll tell you if i cooked a meal for you gentlemen i'd have to beat you off of me because you'd want to give me a big hug and a kiss because (laughs) the way the way we cook our venison and our, our fowl and our small game here, it, it's the best, you know, and I love good food. I've been clean and sober for 72 years. And so my taste buds really work good. They're very, they're, they're very easily stimulated. So I've got to have good meals. I won't waste any hunger on just, you know, filler. I love a taste bud experience and the way we treat our deer, not just the back straps, which you can't go wrong with, but even just cutting neck meat, you know, and little shards and uh and and uh hot walking it uh, i i love it all that's that's we that's 99 percent of what we eat is stuff that we kill ourselves and i love it all when i turn on some of my music industry and entertainment people and and left-wing buddies uh to the food that we kill and cook i mean they get teary-eyed it's so good their taste buds have never experienced that before I love that, man. That's the best thing is, is giving someone that's not involved in what our culture is and letting them try bear meat or antelope or mule deer or something that, you know, isn't in Illinois. And, 
you know, that who knows where they would have tried it otherwise if you wouldn't introduce them to that. So it's kind of cool to see their reaction, especially when you feed somebody bear meat. They they just can't even wrap their head around it sometimes here in, in Illinois where they don't live, you know. Um, sure. But, man, with all, like, the passion and all your experience you've had from, I mean, for as long as you've been doing it and as, as often as you do it and how much you love it, is there one thing that really stands out to you a little more than the other, like something that gets you extremely excited about the outdoors over everything else? I mean, I know it's all good, but if you had to pick just a couple things, what, what do you think that would be? You know, it, it's like asking me which my favorite kid is. <laughs> right. <laughs> I realize that I'm asking it. <laughs> <laughs> but but, it, but, it, but I think I have an important answer to that. And because I've been such a loudmouth, um, <laughs> which is what all our founding fathers wanted us to be, by the way. Of course. Um, I, I and my extremism is exactly what the founding fathers expected from us. And now that we have this man in the White House that somebody's calling a president, that's a direct result of not not enough Americans being a loud mouth. And my point being is that I, I promote God, family, country, spirit, conservation, resource awareness, resource stewardship, environmental accountability. I've been doing it since I was just a goofy teenager in rock and roll. And I've always kind of caused the, 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 the leftists in the media to kind of furl their brow, and, and they'd never heard it put the way I put it. So as a result of me being a loud mouth and standing up for all the best things in the world and i really do i mean i stand hunting is one of the best things in the world mm -hmm. the second amendment and self-defense these are perfect things and that's what i'm attacked for i'm attacked for you know endorsing and promoting perfect things <laughs> the point i'm getting to is that every hunt is magic for me i mean my my wife is so gorgeous and so smart and such a incredible bow hunter and going out with her and videoing for spirit of the wild tv and and my son toby has turned into just a gung-ho gonzo bow hunter himself my daughter sasha does the annual uh, uh, uh rifle season with us in michigan and her her three boys are coming on strong and it's so many things that are really mountaintop peak of lifetime experiences that I could go on with hundreds of them, but I'll go right to the tip of the tip. And that is because I have a big mouth and I never back down and I never compromise and I never apologize and I never hesitate to drive home the important things in the culture war and the, the embarrassment of political correctness. Gentlemen, for over... I think the first time was, geez, 50 years ago when I was in my 20s, I was contacted by a family whose son was dying. And his last wish in life was to go hunting with Ted Nugent, even though he'd never hunted before. Mm -hmm. But he expressed that he saw me on TV getting all excited about the mystical flight of the arrow and aim small, miss small, and the, the stimuli of encountering a deer, <laughs> that he wanted to see what that was like. Well, since that first time, there was no uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation. There was no uh, Hunt of a Lifetime. There was no organizations that catered to this important cause and charity. Mm -hmm. But this kid, his la he was, uh, I think he was 18 at the time. Um, his name was Jason from Detroit. He wanted to hunt with me before he died. Well, I, my booking agent, they got a hold of me through a booking agent, and I called him, and we did it. And uh, since then, I've done it, I don't know, dozens of times with little boys and girls as young as six and seven i'll try to contain myself on the phone here but to be invited into a family's life 
as they're saying goodbye to a child and their last and a kid what how did a six-year-old kid de- decide his last wish before cancer kills him to go hunt with this loudmouth motor city madman guy mm-hmm. and and they've all expressed it rather unambiguously because they like that I stand up they like that I don't hesitate in a world where everybody else is, you know, pushing out. Um, so those moments around those campfires with those young people, and I've done it for old guys, you know, he's, you know, old, older than me, mm-hmm. but to, but to, rec- but to have that as a request before they die to hunt with you. Yeah, I, I look to the heavens and I go, what the hell did I do to earn that honor? And and what I did was I expressed what other people won't. And they watch Spirit of the Wild or they hear me do an interview or they read the story in the magazines because uh, no matter what the interview is about, if it's about my new album, I'm always going to talk about hunting. <laughs> I mean, right, right. I mean, they ask where their music was inspired, and I go, well, it was either gut a gut pile or a blood trail or a bad hit. <laughs> so, right. so, um, so I'm always weaving in this lifestyle, not as a, 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 a decision, but instinctively that if they're going to talk about what turns me on in life, I, how can, I, I'm going to tell them what turns me on in life. And yeah. it's the, it's the archery Zen. It's the, the, the discipline of my marksmanship and my outdoor tuning in which which did drive me to be clean and sober all my life because you, you, you can't bow hunt drunk or stone you're up buy chicken um <laughs> so so those those moments with those kids and the old guys the navy seal i shared a campfire with a survivor of the baton death march guys uh, good grief mm-hmm. uh what a what a gift what an honor what a humbling um, experience that you have to call upon powers you didn't think you had to keep it upbeat and buoyant because it's their last it's their last request in life. Right. Well, your so, your passion for it that's it's attractive to everyone. You know, whether they're a hunter or not. Like when you hear somebody talk about things the way you talk about them, especially hunting, how can you not want to look into it or try it? And I think that's where man, every everyone in the hunting community loves you because you're kind of the voice for the people. You're the you're the loudest voice we have. Um, at times, and you're unapologetic. I mean, you fucking yeah. <laughs> you feed it to them how it needs to be fed to yeah. people, you know, which is great to see. And and yeah. you know, I listen to you do like on Rogan's podcast. I'm fist pumping the whole time, you know, and uh, yes. and you do another <laughs> many interviews. I'm like, this is what we need, you know, the loud, yeah. loud yeah. in your face and passionate. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, talking about that, you were kind of talking about, you know, you're. You're backing up the Second Amendment to the fullest extent, and you're for our people. You're for our lifestyle. You live it. Uh, you breathe it. Everything. I wanted to because I'm not sure how I feel about it 100. percent And it's right now over the last couple of years, it's kind of been a topic, um, a controversial topic, and everyone's got their own take on it. And I enjoy this show, and this is kind of why I wanted to get your opinion and see what your thoughts were on it about the the Churning Group acquiring Meat Eater. Um, and some of these other outdoor companies underneath the Chernin Group. Um, and, you know, Peter Chernin's known to be more anti-gun than he is pro-gun. Um, I wanted to see if you knew anything about it or what your opinions were, what your take was on this, and what the look is for it for the outdoor community. 
Well, first of all, when you mention a meteor, Steve does a great job, and uh, he's a he's a great voice. He, he he doesn't really go beyond the choir like, unfortunately, the entire industry is shackled with. Um, he's not going to be on MTV or VH1 or CMT. He's not going to get on CNN. He's not going to get on uh, the the ten talk shows nationwide that I did this week. Um, and I'm not knocking Steve. I mean, I wish mm-hmm. they would. I wish I wish someone would figure out that the letters PR stands for public relations, right. and our industry is is absolutely helpless at that. They yeah, they yeah. wouldn't know how to they wouldn't know how to give away a blanket to a naked man in a blizzard to keep trying to just sell binoculars to the guys who already got free binoculars. Um, uh, that being said, uh, I'm well aware that some of these gazillionaires out here. Um, are buying uh, a, an ammo uh, concern, a, a firearms concern, uh, an outdoor conservation media concern, mm-hmm. and that that deeply concerns me. Um, I would think that uh, in the in the uh, Steve Ranella example, he's a really smart guy, and I know that he does his research. You can tell just by the way he conducts himself and his knowledge. Of course, and he's yeah. a. He's a Michigan boy too. For, for the record, Ted, we're all. big fans of Meat Eater and what he does. I, I you know, sure. have his DVDs, and that's why I ask. It's like I'm not really sure how to feel about it if it's something to even be concerned about. But I just wanted to make that clear for anyone listening. Sure, yeah, and I think my, what I'm getting at is, is Steve is such a tuned in guy um, that I I have faith that he vetted that decision, that he researched. Um, who was going to take over his his brand? Um, and I have faith in a guy like that. So even though I'm concerned about everything in this crazy world with all the scamming and all the corruptness and all the criminality that just rampant in our government, media, academia, Hollywood, and uh, the entire Democrat Party, and unfortunately probably half the Republican Party, boy, we really have our work cut out for us. So I'm I am extremely concerned about everything, but I also have faith. Yeah, I have faith in our fellow sportsmen and and, and sporting families that uh, when the decision comes, uh, that they will. I have faith they'll make the right decision. I think Steve probably did make the right decision. Now I've smashed heads with uh, various leaders over the years. Uh, Ted Nugent's Spirit of the Wild has been on Outdoor Channel for 30 years now. We started on public television talking about smashing heads. <laughs> I mean, that's basically run by hippies, and here I am killing hogs and gutting them and pointing to the pancreas and the liver um, and, and having fun with it. You know, whack them and stack them. That's fun. Yeah. I mean, you kill them and, what do you, kill them and grill them? That's, that's perfect. Whacking and stacking. I mean, it's, it means you're Got a bag limit, I guess, which is cool. Who doesn't want that? Right. Um, so, so the people could tell that I was having fun. And even though some of the public television directors um, refused to air our show, we set pledge drive records in 26 states. We beat the Grateful Dead and uh, Frank Sinatra pledge drives, which were the record setters before we came along. And that's just with my amazing wife, Shemaine, uh, running around with a big old RCA uh camcorder, you know, that weighed 30 pounds, you know, catching me shooting squirrels with my Oneida, <laughs> which which was, again, it's it's entertaining. I, I have fun with it. And I'm not afraid to have fun with it. If you're not having fun, nobody's going to join you. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is which is a whole nother, you know, uh, uh, self-infested uh, failure of our industry. My point being is that um, I, I've been doing this for so long that there were times where the Outdoor Channel wouldn't allow you to show a blood trail. And I went, you've got to be kidding me. And I would call them, and I'd just scold them. 
And you know, I don't. I'm sure you've watched me do what I what I generously call debates. Oh, of <laughs> <But> course. <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're going to debate me, I'm going to eat your family tree and spit toxic sawdust in your face because you haven't got a prayer. Um, and so when these heads of the outdoor channel tried to say that the viewers would be upset by seeing blood and guts, I went. You gotta be kidding me. What are you gonna run the NASCAR channel and tell them they can't spin their tires or you can't smell gas? <laughs> Who the hell? Are you gonna call the NBA and say you can't show the three pointer at the buzzer? What are you talking about, you dirt bag? And so I really hammered them and I got them to allow us to show the knife cutting the belly open and gutting the animal, which is a sacred responsibility. So you're not allowed to show sacred on your outdoor channel, you, what, where do you come from? And so when I, when I, when I get on them like that, I leave them helpless. I know you were saying you were high-fiving and, uh, and fist-pumping when I did the Rogan. If you could have been in on some of these conversations, you'd have really you'd have gotten naked and ran around the living room <laughs> pumping hot light bulbs because <laughs> I, I really rearranged their psyches, and I left them helpless to explain how a hunting network won't show the most important responsibility of all, and that is turning our kill into food. So, so I played. Uh, I, I, I started that fight, and I won that fight. Um, and uh, the, they wouldn't allow the the arrow impact. And I said, "You've got to be kidding me! That's the three pointer at the buzzer, you numb nut! That's you, you, what are you turning off your core audience? Because that's what you're doing." So I, I, you can hear I get a little little uh, amplified here because I remember having these uh, these attacks on these idiots, and they needed to hear it. And guess who else they heard it from? Nobody. Yeah, which Nobody is crazy. It's crazy to break that down. I didn't realize they couldn't show the arrow impacts. That just seems weird to even wrap your head around. That's yeah, the best part, and it's educational. I, they kept telling me we had to edit, and I, I pushed back, and I said, well, there, there's no spirit of the wild, and I'm going to expose you that you're anti-hunting to all your hunting dollars. Anyhow, uh, but then they wouldn't allow the second hit, and they wouldn't allow a slow-mo hit, and I just I, I just, well, you can imagine. <laughs> right. If, if you're stupid with Ted Nugent, Ted Nugent's going to fix you or make you run out of the room screaming and crying. And so <laughs> that's what I did, and I continue to do so. When I see stupid, I attack it. And believe me, I know what stupid is. And if somebody's too stupid to know what stupid is, I'll make sure I teach them what stupid is. And again, I've literally caused people to quit the industry because they can't debate me. And I threatened to expose that they're against the industry they're making money off of. Right. Well, that, that's the concern, you know, when you see like some of this churn and stuff. I, I guess my main concern is I worry about us getting boxed in, like the future of, of outdoor media and hunters and our industry and influence on new hunters getting boxed in by people that are against our culture. You know what I mean? Like kind of getting us from the inside out and which, you know, of course you don't want that to happen, but that's why I want to bring some of that stuff up because we got to think about it, you know? Well, I, it's, it's good that you did. And, it, and I think you should uh, uh, bring that forward in all of your uh, working class bow hunting podcast to keep people um, inspired to watch for that. I mean, again, an experiment in self-government came from some courageous free men who refused to obey the king. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. We are the people who told the king to kiss 
my free ass. I get to choose my religion. I can say whatever I want. I can assemble. And I have privacy of my papers without your henchmen coming in, much less taking my wool and my chickens, my firewood, and my daughter. And now let's move on to the Second Amendment, shall we? I get to keep and bear arms. If you try to stop me, I'll shoot you with them. Um, and then it goes on and on. The third one being you don't have to house uh, the soldiers. And the fourth one, you know, the, the, the just do process, whatever. Um, so I understand this stuff. And the, our industry, and especially our hunting community guys, but there's a lot of spinelessness out there. Um, I could give you thousands of examples where I've had to intervene and, uh, and bring the artillery of truth, logic, and common sense mm-hmm. back to the Concord Bridge. My God, Stan, you, what do you mean you, I can't put a mineral block on my farm? Who are you? What, where did you come from? Get off my land. I'll do whatever I want on my land if I don't cause environmental damage to my neighbors. If it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Illinois guys, you guys got to get cracking. Um, if you want to feed deer or bait deer or put a mineral block on your land, I, I would love to have the person who makes that decision dare. In fact, I dare them to debate me on that. And I've changed that law in many states. I've changed the lighted knock was illegal. Come on. I mean, uh, certain let off on the compound was illegal. I mean, come on. Trail cameras were illegal in Montana for a while. Come on. You got it. When you see something stupid, you need to snarl, roll up your sleeves and come out swinging and get as many of your friends who have a scrotum to do the same thing. And I'm telling you what we proved in Wisconsin, what we do you guys know that it was illegal to hunt out of a tree in Michigan until 1975. No kidding. What what man could possibly think he has the authority over another man climbing a tree? (laughs) I don't even know so why would that be illegal. I don't even understand like the well, the reasoning behind that. None, none of it. There is none. There's that's there, a problem. Not feeding deer, not putting a mineral block. There's no reason. Now, don't give me this that causes deer to lick each other. Shut up. Yeah, that's, that's a hard crazy. argument to make. Like when you know deer, especially late season when they need it the most, they're they're together all like fifty or more, depending on yes. where you're at. Yeah, well, maybe that biologist at the at the Illinois DNR never heard of a winter yarding condition. <laughs> you know, basically a deer hunting or deer biology one hundred and one, and not to not to mention that they share preorbital glands and tarsi, they lick each other's ass. I mean, the mothers groom their fawns, licking every minute of the day. Young bucks lick each other constantly. Come on. Could be, but what, what, how, how dishonest can they possibly be? So uh, this, this is what I do. I mean, I'm working with Virginia. We just shut down an attempt to ban coyote contests. They tried to ban bow hunting in a, in a municipality in Georgia. We stopped that dead in its tracks. Yeah, we just talked I mean, about that on a recent episode, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, wherever there is a battle for, for freedom and sensible wildlife management, there's a big Uncle Ted stain right there on the front line <laughs> uh, because I, I do – literally, gentlemen, I get calls every day, multiple times usually every day from somebody somewhere in Idaho, I can't do this, and I in Colorado, I can't use bait or hounds and no spring bear season, but the USDA uses baits and hounds and hunts all year. 
Oh, you got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. Then they relocate deer in Lake Tahoe. Well, the next day they come back because they got feet. <laughs> it's it's just planet of the apes out there, and they 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 avoid me like the plague because they know I'm going to win that argument because I got all the science, all the boots on the ground, all a lifetime of real eyewitness, hands-on experience, and all they got is some hippie saying that Bambi should be preserved. <laughs> well, the the crazy thing too is like. It, talking about the supplemental feeding it being illegal, someone's going to tell us not to. At Illinois, you can go buy big time about anywhere. And the short and the shelves are empty by yeah. October fifth. Oh, they and are. That's how, <laughs> it is, that's how it is in every state. Uh, so, so yeah. So, you know, I've had some run-ins with some Illinois DNR guys, and I shame them. I, I embarrass them. Um, I did, and I and I love game wardens because they're pr supposedly protecting our wildlife mm -hmm. with with biologically sound regulations. But there's very few biologically sound regulations anymore. Look what happened to Chris Brackett. Chris Brackett is a good man. Is, is he cocky? Cocky is an attribute where I come from. Um, his life was ruined for shooting one deer, gentlemen. I want you to consider the following. Chris Brackett's life was destroyed because he shot one deer. While his trial and the destruction of his life was going on, the Illinois DNR and the Indiana DNR killed thousands, many with sharpshooters in the forest preserves and in agriculture concerns, tens of thousands were killed on the highway. What the hell does one deer have to do with wildlife management in either of those states? Now, was it a, was it a crime? Yes. If I was the judge, I would have gone, Chris, $500, don't do it again. If you do, it's going to be worse. All right, you got it? Now, I want the director of the DNR. I want the director of the state ag department. I want the director of the state highway department. I want the USAD, USDA director in here. And I want the boss of the insurance agencies in both states to come before me. And I'm going to ask them, why in the hell can he only shoot one deer? Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I, my whole thing with the bracket thing is that I wish he would have been forward about, like, what happened, you know? That's like well, the only thing. So, you, so you're going to ruin a guy's life because he had a moment of dishonesty. And, you know, that's a good point, too. You know, there's an argument to be made there for sure. But yeah, I do boy, see your point in the whole, the whole scheme of things. It's, you know, it's like compared to what's being done and then compared to what we can't do or being told we yes. can and cannot do. Yes, and it's going on all over this country. and I mean, stop and think, gentlemen. Our, our moral compass dictates that you don't shoot an animal and leave it there to rot. It's against the law, I think, in every state, right? Yeah. Well, guess what Michigan law says about ribeyes in the sky? You ready? Hang on. You don't know this. This, this is how immoral our government is. The farmers were squawking loud and long because the sandhill cranes are so overpopulated in Michigan. By the way, sandhill cranes are known as ribeyes in the sky. It's food with wings. It's a federal migratory game bird. Well, the farmers finally made their point that the sandhill cranes are so overpopulated in Michigan that they need to get them off their fields. They're costing them 
millions of dollars in seed destruction and crop damage. So in their ultimate wisdom, these punk-ass bureaucrats in the Michigan DNR and the Michigan Natural Resource Commission, hold on for it, guys. They find instead of opening the season, which is what you do when a game animal reaches uh, harvestable numbers, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. That's not a Ted Nugent idea. That's science 101. But not Michigan. Instead of opening the season, selling licenses, permits, federal and state uh, migratory bird stamps, shells, equipment, camo, decoys, food, lodging, gas, uh, 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 ice, ice chests, restaurants, groceries, you know, you know, the, the gazillions of dollars that are generated through the hunting activities, you know that. Mm -hmm. Well, st instead of turning the Sandhill Crane into an asset, hang on, they said the farmers could shoot them on site, but were forbidden to eat them. Forbidden? It's the law. Oh, my gosh. That doesn't that's, make any sense. That's what happens. That's what happens when honest people stay silent. Idiots and power-abusing bureaucrat gangsters go to that immoral level. Yeah, I just don't understand that. That's hard to even wrap your head around. It makes zero sense. Bizarre. Well, but hunting out of trees, I mean, I mean none, of it, none of it makes sense. That one blows my mind. <laughs> that one does blow my mind. Well, they all blow my how mind. About eight, how about eight states? You can't hunt on your own farm on Sunday during the rut. Yeah, I have a problem with that. That's, you think? Yeah. You think? <laughs> <laughs> well, no shit. We have a problem with yeah. that. <laughs> We've talked about that a lot. I know, did PA just change that recently? Well, no. They one of my Pennsylvania buddies called it. Hey, they gave us two Sundays, and I go, they didn't give you nothing. Oh, they shit. already had them. They already had them. Just, oh God Almighty! Why well, this insanity? You know, we had eleven counties in Michigan back in the sixties and seventies where no hunting was allowed on Sunday. Well, I went, I went nuts. I said, and I, I wasn't very educated. I don't have a biology degree. Why? Well, I have something way more valuable and meaningful than a biology degree. I got a hundred pairs of lacrosse, lacrosse rubber boots that are worn out. Uh, so when I heard that there were the guys were coming from Hillsdale County to Jackson County because you weren't allowed to hunt on Sundays, I went, well, what man could possibly have power over God? And say that during the hunting season we're gonna sh we're gonna miraculously shut it down at dark on Saturday. It, it it's it's the hunting season. It's the scientific season of harvest. It, it doesn't pause. So I raised enough hell, and I got other guys to do it. We finally opened up those counties. Mm -hmm. Well, how indecent can you be? in states where they're begging for more revenues for conservation to tell guys you only get to hunt one day a week because most guys only got the weekend. Yeah, yeah, especially our well, crowd. This is sanity. It's the rut. The bucks are going crazy. you got a farm and there's some standing soybeans, and the man goes, uh, 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 uh. No, you can't hunt Sunday, pal. I'd punch that son of a bitch right in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, I'm with you. It's crazy. I, I Growing up in Illinois, you could always hunt all weekend, and then – learning and meeting more people out of state and especially doing the podcast. I'm like, you can't hunt. I don't understand that. Like what's, I don't get it. 
Well, I mean, that's it's not the thing. to be got. It's insanity. Not being able to dr- drop feed on your Illinois farm is insanity. Yeah. Not being able to put a, a, a mineral block on your farm in, in Illinois, that's insanity. Yeah. Well, too, like in Illinois, you can't hunt hunt turkeys after 1 p.m., correct? Yeah. Yeah, it's cut off at 1. Hey, well, I think I'm coming to Illinois. I'm going to hunt turkeys every day starting at 1 p.m. <laughs> Eat lunch and then head right out. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that kind of stuff you've got to push back. I had the attorney general at my cabinet in Michigan. I served him dove in Sand Hill Crane. I go, take me to court. Arrest me. You tell the, you tell the jury that I I must leave that beautiful chunk of meat in the field. I let I have to let it rot, and then you tell me that the picture of this dove on this shotgun shell box is a songbird. I'll tell you what: you show the jury a, a shotgun shell box with a cardinal on it, and I'll I'll give you some thought. But until then, <laughs> eat me. Yeah, letting the meat rot. I, I just don't understand. It's, just, it's well, fucked none up. Of it makes sense. Hey, Ted, I want to talk about the uh, – one, I want to talk about some positive with uh, the Ted Nugent Camp for Kids because uh, I love everything that surrounds that. And then I want to talk about um, Come and Take It. Well, the, the Camp for Kids was a direct result of the inspiration that the great Fred Bear gave me every year. He always made comments about – um, whenever he went to any hunting event, hunting show or industry event that anybody under 40, all they wanted to know was whether he knew Ted Nugent <laughs> because we're both Michigan guys. So he, he was really, uh, you know, he was, he liked that. He said, he, he did some research. He saw that I shot my bow and arrow on stage every night, going all the way back to the sixties and, and that I've always promoted clean and sober and the mystical flight at the arrow and ape small, miss small and the discipline of, of stealth and getting close and before organic was cool that venison already was. Um, so he really embraced me. He said, I don't know what you do to get these kids interested, but every young person that comes to the Bear Archery Museum, um, they always ask about you. And I said, well, I've got a big mouth. I love it so much that my my excitement and my passion is contagious. And with all due respect, some of the best bow hunters in the world, I mean, I could name them, Fred Bear, Howard Hill, uh, Ben Pearson, Chuck Adams, um, uh, it, 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 probably you guys. But the best bow hunters in the world are really, really calm. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky to have a conversation, I have. They, 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 even, uh, when they talk, if you ever, uh, are able to, uh, sit down and talk with Randy Elmer, it's going to take a long time for him to finish a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so that enhances your, your awareness, your, your situational awareness, your stealth factor. So you can tell that I had a huge obstacle course to get past my natural insanity of, uh, of intensity. But, but the point with Fred Bear is that he said, boy, I love the message, the clean and sober message. Be the best that you can be, the mystical flight of the arrow and, and it'll cleanse your soul. And he, he would quote all the stuff that people would share with him that they heard me say. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I got to hunt with the man uh, almost every year the last 15, 16 years of his life. And I met him when I was just a little boy, probably 1955, 1954, 1955, because mm-hmm. I was already going up north with my dad, Bowen, and we'd stop at this little shack 
Um, and I didn't know who Fred Bear was at the time, but boy, when I figured it out, I realized he was the Chuck Berry of bows and arrows, man. I, yeah. I really fell in love with the guy. Um, he was just a wonderful, wonderful man. And that, so when, Ted, that was just by chance. You just happened to like be in that same area and met him just kind of randomly through your dad that way. Yeah. My dad was already a follower when I was born in 48. Yeah. And, uh, he was already trying to kill deer with a bow and arrow and it was all up north. There were no deer below, uh, the Grand Rapids area. And, uh, we'd stop at the little bear archery shack and it was, uh, Nils Grumley. His uh, original boyer was there for a few years. Um, and, uh, I just met this tall, lanky guy and I ended up realizing this guy's on the cover of True Magazine with a polar bear, even <laughs> a bow and arrow. <laughs> and then I saw him on American Sports, but, uh, but I started following him diligently by the time I was eight, nine years old and I realized who he was. Yeah. Um, but then when I graduated from high school in 67, I kind of reintroduced myself to him. Um, cause we'd hang, we'd go and hang with them probably every other year from the fifties on, um, until we moved to, uh, Illinois in 65. And I spent two years, uh, started the Amboy Dukes, graduated from high school, came right back to Michigan and went back and reintroduced myself. So the point about the camp for kids is that uh, my last hunt with Fred was in October of 1987 and he, told me, you know, I was getting really attacked in the industry for the whack em and stack em stuff, which is just so stupid, so petty. I mean, those guys have never recruited one young person in their lives in the bow hunting world, and I, I guarantee I had already recruited thousands just because I said whack em and stack em, I'm having fun. Right, right. I mean, hello? <laughs> what a bunch of dirt balls. Anyhow, Fred said, ignore the critics. They're, they're, you're just ignorant. And, uh, they're not really an asset to the sport anyway. Um, and I like what you do and I want you to keep doing it. In fact, uh, uh, I really, he said how much he appreciated it. We had, you know, we had, well, he was already on oxygen at the time, so he didn't hunt in the afternoons and I would stay with him because I was really enamored by the guy. Mm-hmm. And so when, when he died that following April in 88, um, I realized that I know instead of just continuing with promoting bow hunting and conservation in the media and on my, in my songs and, and everything else that I do, I said, I'm going to start a charity, Ted Nugent Camp for Kids. And it's about being clean and sober, being the best that you can be, learning the mystical flight of the arrow as the path of your life. If you're focused and you're, you're disciplined and you're passionate. And learn about the importance of trapping, uh, the, the, the survival skills, how to make a shelter and build a fire in the wilderness, yeah, how to how to turn a fish into food, you know, <laughs> all right. the stuff that many of us take for granted. But a lot of kids they don't get that direction. Mm-hmm. So we we started it in '89, and it's a 501c3 nonprofit, fully volunteer charity, and uh, it's all. My God, I think it's 16,000 kids have graduated. Uh, they learn safe firearms handling. We have, we have pellet rifles and shotguns and, uh, archery and slingshots and, and, you know, taxidermy and trapping and just woods lore, you know, mm-hmm. understanding tracks and spoor. Um, and it's, it's in South Dakota at the National Field Archery Association headquarters with Bruce Cullen Yankton. It's in, uh, Papillion, uh, Nebraska with all these great, great volunteers, Ward and, 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 and Keith and, and, and Paul and uh, Kevin. 
And then it's in Iowa with the Iowa bow hunters and Nebraska bow hunters. Nebraska, and there's Colorado with the Colorado bow hunters with uh, the Ashley. Uh, it just, just, oh man, if it's God's work, it mm-hmm. the, we we change these kids' lives, and I'll tell you what, we change their parents' lives too. Um, it's been so gratifying and, and so impacting. Um, I, could, I I just couldn't be more proud of that. But the real work is done by the volunteers. I just have a big, you know, greasy neon name in the world of rock and roll. But it, uh, but for the same reason those uh, terminally ill people contact me is the same reason a kid would be interested or a family would be interested in getting their kid into it because it's a great message, especially the clean and sober message in those formative years. And a guy who's as outrageous and so intense as me um, that you. You, can, you can't be like me if you're not clean and sober. And so, um, <laughs> so that's a great message in a rock and roll and, a, and an uppity platform is that um, clean and sober isn't boring and dad-like. Um, it's clean and sober is inspiring and uppity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the message they get. And yeah, boy, some of the testimonies and the letters and the emails I've got from parents and kids, it literally saved. Now, now uh, parents who were my first kids at some of the earliest caps, they're bringing their kids now. So it's pretty awesome. That is great. That's I wanted to bring that up, um, doing some breeding on it and heard about it. You know, uh, it's just that's what we need to be focusing on now is getting kids in it the right yep. way and ethical sure. and all that, too. Sure. So I, sure. I definitely I wanted to shed some light on that, um, especially with all the craziness and some of the just ridiculous shit that doesn't make any sense now. Um, and then real quick, I want you to touch on come and take it because you've been doing a lot of live feed videos. um talking about come and take it well come and take it is an old battle cry going back to the alamo when we took the mexican cannon they wanted it back and we said come and take it we'll give you a cannonball first right up your ass (laughs) (laughs) i i I love that attitude that that's my that's my life's attitude in a nutshell and it's like the re-elect that mofo hat a, a, a buddy wanted one so i made a dozen for the before my concert meetings um, and that turned into 50,000 hats that I signed. And then a buddy, not I guess it was during last summer, when uh, we saw that um, we're up against this freak Biden um, and his proposed uh, confiscatory and oath-violating anti-American, anti-Constitution, anti-freedom gun laws um, that he's proposing and attempting, that uh, a guy had a come-and-take-it hat. And he wanted me to sign it. So I signed it. And his buddy goes, oh, boy, I'd like one of those. So I went, get one. I'll sign it. Well, it, that that exploded. And the demand for the come and take it hat and the come and take it flag uh, it exceeds the reelect that mofo hat. I, I do an assembly line every day. <laughs> I've, si- I've signed my signature more than any million people combined. I did 50,000 uh, uh, reelect hats. I've signed over 20,000 guitars for various charities. We get an assembly line, and I just go, and you can actually read my signature, which is really unique. Um, <laughs> and I go right down the line, and we box them up and ship them out. And you go to tednugent.com, and you can get a, a personally autographed come and take it flag or a personally autographed come and take it hat. And it's, it's the, the demand. I mean, if there's a demand for something, here I am. So it's, 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 it's a ubiquitous, well, maybe not you, well, it's ubiquitous for sure, maybe not universal, that the most important freedom 
for a human being is the right of self-defense. Because mm-hmm. if you can't defend your life, you might not have a life. Right. So, so I know that I've I've promoted and celebrated that, and driven that up idiot's asses for the last sixty years at least. Um, and so everybody realizes the threat that this Marxist regime in the White House represents. So I think people are uh, uh, standing up straighter and 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 prouder and uh, more resistant than ever. And I think that battle cry come and take it is uh is, is, is more important now than maybe during the alamo yeah for sure i agree i definitely agree and i think we'll have to get one of those for the studio and then we'll have to have you sign a bag of big time we'll keep it in the studio just you know <laughs> absolutely man I'll, I'll tell you what you got uh, joe's there joe knows get with toby and get me an address joe and i'll send you guys some hats and flags and uh you put you put a an autographed anything uh, by your front porch, and we'll keep the hippies away. <laughs> there, there we go. They're, they're in Illinois, Ted. we got to make sure it's a food plot bag for right <laughs> yeah, now. Right, yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no. We're going to use the supplemental feed, but we're going to use a bait bag. In fact, I'm going to put Ted Bait Nugent on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Well, then one day if we get a little risky, we'll pour it out in your honor, but we'll keep the bag. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, we need to fight that. I mean, I understand uh, that the current director of DNR in Illinois, off the record, is with us. We just really? got to get him on the record. Now, I, I, this is old information. This is from last year. Um, but I need to meet this guy. You need to meet this guy. You need to sit down and talk to him. And here's the here's this statement he can't resist. There is white tail science. There's not Illinois white tail science. And then North Dakota white tail science. There's white tail science. And if biologists in 20 some states have concluded that feeding deer is not a problem, then there's the proof that feeding deer is not a problem. Mm-hmm. So get out of our way. Right. Man, I mean, I don't know how you make a better point than that. Like, it just there it is. It's yeah. plain and simple. <laughs> this isn't complicated. Yeah, yeah so, gentlemen, I'm not that smart. Not, you don't have to be smart to know that if if activity A works somewhere without a problem, then activity A is okay. Right. I don't know. We'll, we'll do a push and try and get the change, and I think maybe we'll reach out to people see if they want to do a show and, and talk about their reason why not and why we should give them the reason why they should uh, change well, things around. Well, be sure when they do well, it causes our deer to become more social creatures. Stop. Stop right there. Are you kidding me? See, that's what they tried to do with me in Michigan, and I stopped them. And I said, have you ever been in the deer woods? Have you ever watched deer? Because you're either lying or you're you're ignorant to a dangerous level to think you have control over decisions regarding deer that you know nothing about. And then they try to change the subject. I go, no, no, stop. We're not off the feeding subject yet. You gotta you gotta beat what I just said, but you can't. Right. I love it, man. I love how you bring it to him like that because yeah, if you. If you've never been hunting, you don't really have a say in this argument. Like it will this debate at all, really? It's really amazing. But you know, we got to work it out first. But let me let me end it on the most positive note of effort, gentlemen. 
I wrapped up. I uh, my hunting season goes March one to March one, because the uh, managed land deer permit season in Texas ends on March one. So I tally my kills and I keep real detailed records of every arrow hit, which broadhead, the angle, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just wrapped up the greatest bow hunting season of my life. I've got a, a, a an archery shot sequence discipline down a pitch about time seventy two. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've got a I've got a, a really really rock solid shot sequence discipline. I'm shooting Matthews bows, which just really fit me perfect. And every bow out there, the the industry is creating the greatest quality products in the history of the world, from ammo to firearms to optics to bows and arrows and broadheads. And, I mean, come on. But I utilize that stuff, and believe me, you're talking to a guy that has a button buck mounted on my cabin wall that I shot opening day of the gun season, 1968, November 15th, with my dad's pre-64 model 7308 iron sights that he bought, by the way, at Marshall Fields in Chicago for $117. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, um, and I, right next to it is a doe fawn that was the first bow kill I made the next year. So trophy is in the eye of the beholder. But my point is, is that I, with a recurve in a, in a wrong, longbow, my God, was I dangerous. I mean, squirrels running along a power line didn't have a prayer from my cedar arrow and my bodkin or my MA2 or MA3 broadheads. So I was there from the very beginning. And for me to be able to say that my due diligence with the things I've learned over the years, the coordination of the habitat, the enhancement of products like Big Tide and the food plots and the, the lessons of stealth, is as horrible as the world is right now, is heartbreaking of the corruption and the dishonesty and the treason in our government and media. I, You're on the phone right now with the happiest guy. I, I had the greatest hunting season of my life, and I'm continuing it now because I'm getting ready for turkey. I'm killing hogs, uh, exotics. I shot a magnificent bison bull that was 12 years old, over a ton, with a beautiful arrow with a custom two-blade broadhead. A buddy, Butch Bertrand, out of uh, Jackson, Michigan, hand-formed for me. And so I live it gung-ho. It's, I mean, gonzo. I live it to the fullest, and then I fight the enemy in the media every day. I got this wonderful wife who happens to be, she just brought me a glass of wine. She's cooking some backstraps right now. Um, my dogs are pointing and fetching birds and ducks like champions. I'm killing every raccoon, possum, skunk, gray fox, red fox, coyote, bobcat that dares enter my property. <laughs> I, uh, I got a great trap line. I got great family, I got friends. I'm writing the most dangerous god cranking songs of my life i'm getting ready to record a record so the point is is that even a goofy loudmouth guitar player in 2021 with all those forces against us improvise adapt overcome prioritize balance your life between productivity and soul cleansing outdoor recreation and the american dream is alive and well uh, if it, it, if I can do it, anybody can do it. It has nothing to do with success or money. It has to do with the clock and the calendar 
and what you want to do with those hours and those days. And the hunting in America is awesome right now. I'm getting ready for some Maine, Ontario black bear killing. Um, I hope to go to maybe Alberta, maybe Saskatchewan. I'm just not sure yet. Um, but you get the gist. Mm-hmm. You you can make happiness. Get that kid, you know, a, a lightweight, graceful, easy to draw bow, and get him ten feet from a target, and have him discover where his hand-eye spirit coordination is, and you'll go to bed a happy man that night. So all these opportunities are as good now as they've ever been. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of prioritization, discipline. Um, uh, balancing your life, work hard, play hard, God, family, country, freedom. And if uh, the Motor City Madman Goofball Guitar Boy can do it, anybody can. I love it, man. It's a great message. It's a perfect way to close it out. Absolutely. We really appreciate you doing this, man. It means a lot. You've been uh, one of my childhood heroes. I think Whackmaster was like the number one thing uh, me, my dad, and our hunting buddy Jim Burns would say when I was growing up. And we even had a, a hat that got embroidered as a surprise for our buddy Jim with it on. We that you guy, I'd come in as a little kid with a doe kill, and then I'd be like the Whackmaster of the whole week. Yeah, baby, <laughs> so. you were whacking them and stacking them, brother. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so. that's that's where that term came up. I finally killed a deer. My dad goes, "Well, you're really whacking and stacking now, buddy. <laughs> One deer. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Anything to make you feel good to keep at it. So." Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, guys, good good luck and God bless you and congratulations with working class bow hunter Kurt, Eric, Doug, Joe, God bless you all. The very best to you and your families. And I know that if you said what you just said, Kurt, I know that the Fred Bear song is the soundtrack to our lives. Yeah. I know that you can feel that spirit when you play it. Everybody's got a Fred Bear in their life. We just celebrated the great man's 119th birthday on March 5th, where they did a 21-arrow salute up in Grayling, Michigan. We're working on raising funds for a life-size bronze statue of the great Fred Bear in his uh, original bear archery epicenter there. So uh, let's do let's do. Uh, I'll be glad to join you guys again on the working class bow hunter and get people fired up and and start fighting the bureaucrats that are that are treading on our freedoms and uh, and celebrate this wonderful wonderful outdoor life that is so so good and so perfect for the the environment for our spirit for our families and for the wildlife. So a big salute to all of you guys, man. I appreciate the invite. Ted, uh, I want to jump in because I know I wouldn't get much time during this podcast, but you know I'm I'm really really proud of the partnerships we've created and friendships with Big Time, and I was always a fan of you before, but having the conversations with you and Toby, this was a no brainer, and I'm very very excited to to join and bring you in on the intensity and inspiration that you bring to our our industry and community. And well, thanks, Joey. You can tell just by communicating with my wonderful son, Toby, that if anybody questions whether Ted Nugent has integrity, all they have to do is talk to my sons and daughters and realize what a great father I am. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> Isn't Toby a great man? Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's do this, Joe. I've already done some Facebook Lives promoting a big time. I, I put it on my Facebook all the time. I did one today when we're uh, uh, filming the pheasant hunt. And I took a stop and did this segment brought to you by Big Tide. If you want to fortify your deer with the most digestible uh, supplemental feed, Big Tide is the way I go, brother. You know, some smart-ass comment like that. But, yeah, you got the right guy here because I believe in the product, and I so cherish my 
hunting lifestyle that a product like Big Time, like I said when we first started here today, it enhances my quality experience. And I think that's the message for Big Time. Everybody wants to have a healthy wildlife. and Everybody wants to see the wildlife. And everybody wants to have a good kill rate come the, the hunting season. And Big Time plays into all those positives. So I appreciate you reaching out to us. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to a great relationship, man. I'll promote the living hell out of that great product. We uh, we got a pretty good army we got going on here. I'm I'm very <laughs> proud of who everybody we got, and, it, and it's become. I don't like using the word sponsorships. It's all partnerships, and that turns into friendships. You so bet, you bet, blood brothers. That's man. the way we do this. Yep, yep. Absolutely. Good for you, Joe. My very best to everybody there. And again, thank you. We'll uh, we'll have to share a campfire at some point once I get uh, feeding in uh, mineral blocks legal in Illinois. We'll come there and have. A big <laughs> there we go. Hey, Perfect. We'll set you up. We like it. Yeah, we'll work on that, man. And Ted, no, we really appreciate it, man. We close every show out. I say, go shoot your bow. We love you, and that's how we close the episode. So if you want to do that for us, that would be an honor. You bet. Well, before this started, I was out shooting these big Reinhardt moose and elk and caribou targets at uh, uh, 20, 40, and 51 yards, and I had some pretty handsome mystical flights of the arrow. So do what Ted Nugent does. Get out there and shoot that bow and arrow. It will cleanse your soul. Head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.